0: Discover Star Trek Discovery with us as we recap and critique the episodes with a little sass and humor. Okay, maybe a lot of sass and laughter. Ready to laugh with us? Hello, and welcome to Trek and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Monika. And I'm Andrea. And welcome to episode
1: seven of season two. So in this episode it's called Light and Shadows. And so it's all about Burnham going back to Vulcan in search of Spock and where she sort of uncovers some family secrets while the rest of the team on the Discovery is trying to figure out what is going on with the Red Angel. And Pike and Tyler almost end up lost in time. And we see a little bit of Georgiou, which makes me think, does she have something up her sleeve for Leland in section 31? Can we trust her or can we not? So let's discuss initial reactions what did you think of this episode
0: I really liked the episode I'm giving it five snaps because I thought it was like really cool special effects that probe for the future was like reminding me of like an octopus kind of thing there was beautiful shots of Sarah and Amanda's house oh I would love to live there and (laughs) I'm also noticed a cute bromance between Pike and Tyler (laughs) what do you think No, we do not agree with no bromance.
1: (laughs) I I have high hopes for this episode. It was a nice change of pace between all this searching and trying to figure out what's going on. We're now understanding that there's more things coming from the future. There's more, there's a bigger hand at play with the red angel that maybe Tyler's right that we shouldn't trust it. But it still left me wanting. And I think I finally understand what my issue is becoming with Michael. I feel like they make her emotions seem forced. Like, because she's trying so hard to be Vulcan, she's trying to make her emotions seem logical. And I think, like, in this episode, it really hit home for me that she's, like, fighting her emotions and trying to make everything she's saying seem logical. And I just, I don't believe it. Like I'm truly not believing any of like the, emo- anything that she's emoting anymore because of just how it's coming across. So this episode, I have hopes that it's going in a better direction. I like that it wasn't hundred percent about Michael. It was a, it was a, a lot about the discovery crew and Pike and Tyler, but I also want Pike to continue to ride Tyler's behind because again, Pike is right. Tyler killed a member of the crew he does not just to go, he does not get to just live without guilt because of that. Like it just, no, not until the person he murdered, Hugh, comes back and absolves him of his sin. And until that happens, which it better not anytime soon, he better live with guilt. That's my initial reaction
0: of this episode. Before we dive in, I also want to say that after, this is the seventh Episode in this season, and we finally get a chance to meet Spock. (laughs) And it's taking us a long grind to get here. (laughs) And that
1: was a letdown, in my opinion. Like I understand he's going through some stuff, but that whole we'll discuss it when we get to the whole scene with the mother. Because I have some things to say about this family. And maybe I'm just being too cynical and I'm dead inside, but like, there's some things that we need to talk about because I love a ride or die mom, but I don't like stupid mothers. And I feel like she's acting sort of a little bit stupid. So <laughs> in this episode, it starts off with Michael basically deciding, okay, we know a little bit more about the red, uh, the red angel. It is more humanoid um, with the exoskeleton. So it's not like a distant or unheard of thing is they just believe it's from the future and so with everything that's still going on with spock she decides she's going to go home to vulcan because she hasn't seen her parents in a while like really is that a believable excuse i didn't believe that excuse wow your brother is going missing but so you're going to use this time to go home and visit your family because you miss them while you while you're in search for your brother that's just a that's a really nice coincidence. Like well, when she,
0: Amanda traveled to see her, like undisclosed <laughs> during her trip. And I I think picked up medical records. So Amanda asked for Michael's help a few weeks ago and Michael was not as interested in helping. Michael, they keep having Michael
1: flip-flop on her, like they're making her flip-flop a lot um, and I'm not really liking that she's becoming so indecisive and so in, or indecisive I should, say, I should say is the correct word because she regularly makes these strong like choices and has like all this backing and then like out of nowhere she changes her mind. It almost seems like, okay, I had this emotional re- revelation and because of that, I'm gonna, I need to find Spock you should have been like, you should have been looking for him anyway. It shouldn't have taken this huge emotional revelation that really wasn't as emotional as you think it is. It's just, it makes it seem like she's so emotional and mature, and mature that any small thing of like family is like, oh, I can't like, I just, uh, it made me really realize that I need to go back for Spock. After Saru like ditched his sister for 20 years, you like, really? that's that's the hill you want to be like I gotta go find Spock now because I don't want to end up like you guys like it makes it makes it seem she's so emotionally immature that it takes it yeah I I don't know how to explain it correctly but it's just it they're making me upset with how they're portraying her and I just I need her to be a bit a big better stronger character
0: is it just me it's not yes or I feel that same way. And I, I'm still not sure what happened between her and Spock that made the two of them like stop talking because it seemed like in the flashbacks, Spock was reaching out to her to show her how to um, mm-hmm. separate her fingers for the Vulcan hello. It seemed like at, at first he was like, he didn't want a, uh, a sibling in the house, but then he seemed to open up. So I don't know what, ha- that's the big mystery. I want to know what in the world did Michael say or do <laughs> that caused this rift? <laughs> and also we learned that Spock has um, a form of dyslexia and I just did not know. I don't know as much about Spock, obviously that I thought I do, but um, that he um, had those challenges. Yeah. And how...
1: Vulcan's considered it a weakness because it came from his like human half and not the Vulcan half, because it's not really heard of on Vulcan. And so like, this brings us to Amanda. Amanda is like that family member who's a ride or die, but in the wrong sense of like, oh, he didn't do it. So I'm not, I'm gonna hide him from the law. Like you realize you're doing more harm than good by like doing that, correct? Like you want, like there's a way to be a responsible like a parent or family member to where you don't break the law and make it worse for your child while you're trying to protect them and I feel like she's having a lot of guilt because of what she said earlier in a couple in I think a couple episodes earlier that she wasn't allowed to have emotions with with Spock because of Sarek because he wanted her to raise um Spock in the Vulcan manner so I I could I definitely see that she's doing a lot of this out of like more guilt than mother duty does that makes sense um because she's trying to protect him now because she couldn't protect him then and we even see like when Sarek finds out that she lied to him that he even sort of like demeans her and she sort of stands up to him but it's just like honey pick the hill you're going to die on because your son needs help like medical help like it wasn't like he was in his right mind and she was hiding him because that's one thing but he's still crazy,
0: like right. right. <laughs> because what she did doesn't solve the problem. Yeah, that's not going to help heal Spock, right? Mm-hmm. She does have um, maternal regret. I also think that there are a lot of mothers and fathers that will protect their kids no matter what and hide them from the law or whatever yes. else they need to do just for um, because it's kin, right? Yeah. And- a lot of times they end up
1: making it worse for their child at the end of that. Um, and not to say, you know, give your kid over without a second thought, but like come up with a plan, come up with a, okay, what happened? This is what we gotta do. Like figure out the process to clear them. Don't just hide them. Um, Cause it'd be one thing if she was hiding him while he was like in his right mind and they were coming up with a plan to prove his innocence. That is different, but he's in the state where it's said that he killed three people and he's in the same state. And if he doesn't really recognize who you are and he has like an episode, he could harm you. And still no one will know, like imagine him having to deal with that guilt. So when Michael comes and finds out, and she's like, we need to get him to a hospital because he does need help. Um, she's actually doing the right thing at that. Like she's doing what she needs to do to protect her brother because He's still a danger to other people. You can't under, like, you don't understand what he's saying. Um, and she's trying to do do it the correct way, because Michael's all about the rules and regulations, but also understanding that she still needs to protect her brother and has to have a plan. Um, granted, would I have taken him directly to section 31? Probably not. <laughs> I would have taken him maybe to a Vulcan because Amanda was correct. She could have said, Hey, I'm I'm invoking di- diplomatic immunity for my son. Let's get him medical help. And like, that's the way you protect your son. Like you like, hey, look, I'm doing this. I'm doing what's within the law, what's correct. Granted, also people don't flame me for this because I know it's TV, it's fake, it's not real life. Uh, (laughs) But like you have the chance to give your son diplomatic immunity to where he can get help on Vulcan, which is supposed to be the best place in the world to get, you know, the universe for Vulcans. And yet you left them in a cave where no one could help him.
0: Like, Amanda, what are you doing? (laughs) Right. And I also want to say that with Sarek's recommendation from Michael to take Spock to section 31, I think Michael was still in shock. Mm -hmm. And it may have been the first time she heard her parents argue like that because she seemed to be like, oh, I'm stuck in the middle of this. (laughs) And this is confusion. But Sarek was thinking about how to salvage Michael's career right now that she's in the midst of this Mm -hmm. and how to like help help spock and probably think about his own career so sarah was like i'm not prepared to lose both children in the same day i was thinking he was also thinking about his own ambassadorship too (laughs) now that he knows all of this he can't like he
1: no longer has plausible deniability and like his wife made a active choice it would have been different if his wife made the choice to say, I'm giving him diplomatic immunity and kept them aware of everything that's going on. But his wife kept their child as like a fugitive secret. Yeah, he's like stuck between a rock and a hard place because she made the wrong decision. You can protect your child and still not make stupid decisions. Um, So then we see that Spock is on section 31 and then he um, Leland gives Michael this whole BS speech about how he's really trying to protect Spock. I don't trust anything, anyone that comes from section 31, I don't trust right now. Like, I don't care what you say, I don't trust you. Mm -hmm. And that includes Tyler. Um, And um, he's like, go get some rest. We're near the star base, go get some rest. Your brother's brother's in uh, great care. We we don't want to harm him. We want to really come to the truth because Star Trek Starfleet really wants to know what's going on with these signals and with with the Red Angel. And he he plays it off so well, so well. Until Giorgio comes out and is like, "Yeah, no, forget everything that he just said. They're gonna erase your brother's mind. Like, fight me, make it believable. Get your get your brother and get gone." And I then trust Giorgio. I honestly was expecting that to be a trap. I was expecting Georgia to, what Georgia was saying as a trap to trap Michael onto the ship with Spock or something like that. So she couldn't like leave and say something. Like I was, I was actually quite surprised that Michael got away. What did you think of all of that scene, of that, that whole scene?
0: I was surprised that Michael was so willing to walk away from Spock and leave. Like even... Um, turning him in is one thing, mm-hmm. but to leave the quarters where he's at, like who can vouch for him and make the decisions for him? Like she's his like medical power of attorney at this point. I don't yes. know how else to describe it, but <laughs> she needed to stay her butt there in that room and oversee all decisions. So it surprised me that she was getting ready to take like a break as mini vacation or something there. Um, so, Michael confuses me sometimes. I'm because they have her flip flop. <laughs> they have
1: her flip flop so easily that it's like any decision she makes
0: is no stock in it. Right. And who's to say he's not going to freak out again like he did in a psych ward and panic or whatever mm-hmm. happened? And then he killed three Starfleet officers right? Because he, he wanted to break out. So he could get into, I don't know, another anxiety situation there. She should want to be there, especially after this journey mm-hmm. and it's her own kid to be there and <laughs> in that room. So that was a little, that was a little weird, but it was a really cool action scene. And I'm glad that Joe had the backbone to support uh, Michael um in these decisions and um, i don't know how georgio is finding out all of this information mm-hmm. about leland and section 31 but she's catching up really quickly considering she's a fairly new person on the block and they need to watch out for that like they should have like killed this
1: chick they should <laughs> have killed this chick because she was an emperor people like remember she's used to being in charge she's not used to taking orders and if she's taking orders with a little bit of a smile. You need to be worried.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, let's just face it. Starfleet has not made really good decisions with her since the very beginning. Yes. And even giving her the bomb, like a whole bucket load of things. Uh, But um, I'm glad that she was there to help, I don't know, shake some sense into Michael at that point. I was a little surprised, though, that like Sarek or Amanda didn't also go along for the ride because they could have also... um, but in the transport, the shuttle ship to drop off a spot to section 31. It didn't have to be Michael alone, basically. So yeah. that was a little weird. <laughs> so when
1: I thought of that scene, cause I thought it was very weird too. I think they were maybe trying to play it off as they were they were all made aware at the same time that Spock was there. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I you, Cause you, you're right. It, it didn't make sense that they weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> like, or maybe it's because they weren't in Starfleet, so they couldn't board a Section Thirty-One ship. I don't know, but it 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 just didn't it didn't make sense that um, at least Amanda wasn't there because Amanda was like, "I'm gonna go toe to toe for my kid," and then like right. he's on. It just oh, I will say though, I do like that Amanda stood up to Serik. Was like, "Would you have given up your whole life for me?" Right. Like I'm not. Oh, Amanda is a good mom. She is a good mom, and she does have a lot of guilt, and she does have a lot of like. Things that she hates that she did for did to Spock and like in service for Sarek um but I will say she did have her moment in this episode when she put Sarek in his place it was like I've done everything for you I have I have given up everything for you right I'm not giving up my son granted right. she was wrong in how she was doing it like right. the, ex- the execution right was the plan wasn't executed correctly but
0: the the heart was there Right, she did the best she could, and then, like, it was at a point in which she needed help, but she didn't know how, and she could not she couldn't even lie well about it. Oh my so. god, she
1: couldn't lie well. She could <laughs> so, not.
0: The whole other thing.
1: But you know, if after I did the know. Fight...
0: I wouldn't tell you,
1: mother. You've always told me the truth. That's how I know you're lying.
0: What? Like what? <laughs> yeah, it felt like a little soap opera-ish right there. Yes. <laughs> And so we see that like Spock, so
1: we see that um, after Michael gets Spock and takes him like onto like a ship and they get away and she starts to realize he's saying things backwards. They realize like he's giving them coordinates to a place. And I just have to say the, um, I just have to, I, I have to say her, they make her emote in such a weird manner that I don't believe it because when she was telling her bro- telling Spock like I'm here, like when she was repeating back like the Mad Hatter thing to him. And she's like, you're emoting so hard that I know it's not real because I've been injured and crying and in pain and my brothers will laugh at me. Like, <laughs> and like, but no, like they'll talk to me and they'll like I've been like delirious and pain before. And like, there's a way siblings talk to each other And even when they're going through stuff, like there's a way siblings talk to each other. And while they're serious times, it never comes across as forced as her emotions are coming across to me. At At least, maybe it's just me. And maybe me and my family have a whole dark way of dealing with stuff and making people laugh while they're in the middle of pain. But I just her emotions didn't seem real they seemed so forced when she talks to her family when she's trying to like convey emotion like just say I'm here for you what do you need and like I'm here for you Spock like what are you trying to tell me no no that's not real you're not you're not having an actual conversation with your brother right now you're forcing emotion to come
0: out like I just don't believe it do you think that's because she's 100% human but grew up in, on Vulcan so she has like Vulcan like tendencies so she's having a hard time um I don't know, bridging feelings and communicating feelings. I don't know. That's how I tried to make, I try to justify this acting in my role, in my head. Like this, how how the actress is acting this out. Like maybe it's just a hard time because of like Mike had to turn off feelings. Mm-hmm. And that was hard to naturally do for her. And she's still trying to balance all that. And- Well, she didn't get a handle
1: on that because it's just, it's, it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. <laughs> At least for me, but again, people, we also know that I'm dead inside, so we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> I would like to bring up one more thing, though. Mm-hmm. I do. They were able to break out for Section Thirty-One fairly easily, and I was like, of all places in Starfleet, like that should have had the top-notch security. I don't understand. <laughs> Oh, um, first of all, they were able to break out of the medical facility, and then uh, she was able to get Michael out, and then she was able to get to her transport, and there was like not, like, I don't understand, <laughs> like, there wasn't some way in which, like, I don't know, transporters can go in and out of Section 31 at any time, she doesn't need permission, there's not like a force field around, I don't,
1: do you know what I you're saying? Do you know what you're speaking? You're speaking the truth, because that didn't make no sense. <laughs> okay guys we'll let you guys dwell on that for a couple moments
0: um we will be right back so don't go anywhere (laughs) welcome back to season two episode seven our review
1: so guys now we're talking about the other half of this episode all about what's going on in discovery while michael is gone and so the the uh discovery team they come across as like anomaly out in space and it's a space-time anomaly because at first I don't even realize what's going on until Tyler comes onto the bridge talking to Pike out the side of his neck, saying, Hey, anything has to do with Spock is 30 is section 31. And Pike is still like, Boy, if you don't get out my face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pike looked right. like he wanted to slap homeboy into like the necks. <laughs>
1: in like the next universe like
0: especially with the attitude that tyler had when he like tossed over his badge to pike and pike was like the chair outweighs the badge like yeah dude and then everyone sort of
1: sees that replayed again in front of them because the time anomaly and so they're like oh my gosh what's going on we need to investigate this and so they realize they can't take the ship any closer to the anomaly because they don't want anything bad to happen. So Pike's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into one of, the, um, one of the ships, smaller ones, and we're going to go out and investigate it. And really, there is no need for him to do this. He's like, I was a test pilot, you know, before I, was, when I started Starfleet. So I'm, I know how to fly those things. There's really no reason for, still for him, for the captain to be the one behind the wheel. And Tyler ends up going with him. And I will say, Tyler did make a good point by saying pike is just doing all this extra stuff trying to atone for the fact that he wasn't there for the war even though it really wasn't his decision to sit out of the war it was starfleet's decision to stay out of the war because by the time they got there they may have been coming back to nothing so what's the point of coming home just to die but we see while they're on this ship that they're um one it was dumb for them to be put together because they like they hate each other Well. I won't say they hate each other. Pike strongly dislikes Tyler. Tyler Mm -hmm. Tyler's just trying to do his job. But Pike makes a point to tell him, like, the reason I don't like you is because you killed a member of this team, Mm -hmm. of this crew, and you got away with it. And regardless of the fact that you can't get rid of the the Klingon inside of you, he's still there. Like, Pike doesn't 100% trust him because who knows what could happen? Who knows if Volk may one day, she's bide, Volk's consciousness is just like biding his time to like gain some power and then like gain control over Tyler's body again. Like we don't know what could possibly happen. And Pike is just not letting Tyler out of it. Um, but while they're on the ship, we also see like while they get closer, they're, they shoot off a probe into the time anomaly. And while they're like sort of flying, Pike turns around and sees himself a different version of himself from a different set of time almost shooting Tyler and he's like what is going on and I thought for a second it's gonna be because like Volk they because of the time thing they regressed back to a time where like Volk was trying to take over Tyler I didn't know what was gonna happen but it's just like that that whole scene was very chaotic in my yeah. opinion like that the whole discovery time, uh, part of the episode was very chaotic what did you think of it so like
0: like you I was wondering Pike, why are you, of all the crew members on the ship, why are you volunteering for this? <laughs> and I also don't understand why anyone has to go. It seems like there should be some sort of other droid they could send with the probe to 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 do this or Arium. Uh, it seems like it's a, was a, it's a high risk mission to send two humans out. Um, they also have those really cool pods that we saw a few episodes ago that seems to be more agile. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember those round circular pod things, but that would have been perfect for this mission. I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess they needed some conflict. They needed to, in order for conflict to happen, you need two people in a scene sometimes for dialogue for that. Um, But I just thought, "Mm, I expect them to have better technology to do these types of things (laughs) than Star Trek and you would be correct um but we also see the probe that
1: they sent out um comes back because the little mini ship that they're in um gets lost in the time stream and discovery is like this this research mis- mission has now become a rescue mission which I feel like every mission becomes goes from research to rescue it's crazy right, right, right. and um they uh Saru comes up with a good point that Stamet sort of stays out of time loops he is a he because of his um because of his terror grade uh dna that he got from you know injecting himself with stuff that he shouldn't have he can sort of outstand time loops because we remember that he brings up the uh, harry mudd episode where harry mudd kept them in that time loop and only Stamus was able to stay out of it Mm -hmm. um and so Tilly goes to get paul and there he's like trying to figure out he's like "What, what what it's like trying to get a piece of what do, you, what do you say like a piece of grain in a twister with a pair of tweezers
0: yeah
1: and it's really interesting that Starfleet keep like they keep making or Star Trek keeps making these huge analogies and then still comes up with a solution I was like could you not make it seem so impossible like every single time I'm gonna be honest you try catching a piece of grain in a hurricane with some tweezers and then like an hour later,
0: oh, we figured it out. Then obviously it wasn't what you just said it was. right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they're able to figure out a lot of things really quickly. And I don't even, I don't understand how Pike and um, Ash changed their clothes so quickly for this mission to the, <laughs> their away mission. It's like, what? I thought this was an urgency, a sense of urgency here and they changed their uniforms, but yeah i don't understand time but that's part of this
1: episode <laughs> um, so then we see that the probe that they had launched to understand the time variance or whatever's going on comes back and it's a lot more advanced and they say it's from 500 years in the future which is very interesting because they launched it like 10 minutes ago um and they are definitely they're under attack and paul is able to track where they are and it shows how like um it shows how like their anomalies are coming up and it's showing up how like this happened years ago, this happened this year, this happened a week ago, this happened last week. And because he's able to track it, he tells Tilly, you're going to beam me onto a ship that should be impossible and you're going to beam me on there so I can steer them home, which again, you said this was like finding a piece of dust in a hurricane with tweezers. So- Right. I think Tilly is well within her right to be like, Hey, like, um, uh, like the guy says on TikTok pre-K
0: pause, what is going on right now? (laughs) Right. And she's a junior officer in charge of these calculations to ensure that this happens. Wow. Like,
1: Hey, pre-K pause, we need to stop, rewind and explain this to me because I understand that we have a short amount amount of time for this window before it's gone. But if I do this wrong, you're gone. <laughs> right, right. So in whole Starfleet, Star Trek uh, way, he gets onto the ship very randomly. Uh, it's a cute, it was such a chaotic scene that like I had to watch it twice to fully understand what was happening because the probe was attacking the ship um, Pike realizes what he saw was him trying to save Tyler, not him trying to kill Tyler. Then Paul jumps in. He's like, but I'm not really here now. I'm here 10 minutes in the future. And he's like, I'm piloting, I'm piloting the ship, uh, Star Trek, Starfleet, um, discovery, you know, come get like, figure out where we are. And then like beam us all off. And it was just like, if you could have done it that quickly, why, like, if you could have located them, why couldn't you just send them? what to do like why did you have to go onto the ship I don't know it I seemed very very like that whole scene seemed very chaotic and I just didn't fully understand it um what did you think about that whole scene of him trying to get on to the ship
0: I thought that was the biggest risk ever because mm-hmm. you have Paul, priceless, <laughs> Captain Pike, one of the best captains, priceless, he got ash, yeah, but <laughs> you got the three of them involved in this, and there's so many unknowns with the anomaly, that's why it's an anomaly, and the red angel, and whoever knows what else is going on, and then that probe turned into like this octopus kind of thing, like, from, with advanced technology, so who knows what could have happened there? That that a really big risk. I'm, yes. I'm surprised, but think. I also thought in the back of my they're not going to kill off all three characters at the same yeah. time. That would break up break everyone's heart. So, <laughs> so they're find their way out of this somehow. But that was crazy. So the probe also end up attack attacking like the um, oh no the comms yeah and was like, like trying to download yeah. yeah he was trying
1: to download stuff from starkly and so this is where this is where they don't make sense because if it don't make dollars it don't make sense and they had Aria, which whatever isms i apologize she is a not she's not an organic organism she is like a robot, right? Like that's my understanding of what she is. She's like a or is she, she's like a robot, a very smart robot, but like a one with AI. But she's hard, she's wires. okay? And like a hard hard whatever all the parts are. Sorry people. But don't put her next to a probe that's trying to hack Starfleet don't put her in charge because the moment she said I will try and stop it from um, hacking um, blocking out Star, uh, blocking out his uh, access to Starfleet I was like yeah you're gonna get hacked you're about to get hacked because you can be hacked because you are a robot right. I'm sorry to say like right you are and so like it was like don't don't make don't make the robots try to stop the other robot when there are other robots trying to hack starfleet because i just don't see that ending well like (laughs) and we are right because as they're fighting to as um paul is trying to get them out of this time stream the probe realizes what it's doing and pushes it back into the time stream and so paul is screaming um beam us out beam us out beam us out and they're trying to all get out. And then while it's happening, you see Arium, I think that's that's the Arium, um, and you see her being hacked in live time. And I was like, I called it. I was like, yep, yeah, you shouldn't have had the <laughs> robot stop another robot from hacking. Like, I know she's more than a robot, she's AI. I know she's so much more than that, but you shouldn't have had,
0: it doesn't make sense. It doesn't oh, make yeah. sense to me. And the database, the databases, I think for discovery also has uh, what the centuries of knowledge from that sphere from that, Mm -hmm. from a few episodes ago. So now this probe has a lot more information than just discovery, maybe a little bit of insights about section 31, maybe a little bit of information about the, um, the other dimension it's just this is just this is a major breach yes because there's
1: stuff that Discovery knows this other Starfleet doesn't know the rest of Starfleet doesn't know um so it's definitely a little sneaky very sneaky um and then we see that Pike admits to Tyler that like you were right I was acting all you know all I'm strong, man, because I missed out. We missed out on the war and I'm trying to make up for it, which again, not your fault. So dude, like chill. Like you wouldn't have made it back in time anyway. So like no matter what, you wouldn't have been a part of the war. Chill. Um, And then because of that, he starts to side with Tyler when it comes to the Red Angel. And I think it's dumb for him to do that. Um, I don't think it's dumb for him to be wary of the Red Angel. I think it's dumb to be on like Tyler's side regarding the Red Angel because Tyler isn't on Starfleet's side fully. He's on Section 31's side. So like, I'll say this, not that he's not on Starfleet's side, he's not on Discovery's side when it comes to the Red Angel. He's on Section 31's side. So Discovery can be very wary of the Red Angel, but they need to come up with their own plan. Tyler cannot have anything to do with um, Discovery's plan for the Red Angel because 31 Section 31's uh, plan and Discovery's plan could be very different. Section right. 31 and may want to abuse the power. So yes,
0: I also think that if I remember correctly, that's the main reason why Captain Pike is on the USS Discovery. He joined like seven episodes ago to, to in search of the red angel to find out more. So if Starfleet also has asked section 31 to look into the red angel and Captain Pike, they're they're they must want two different angles, right? Yes. Or a, more research than just section 31, because otherwise why, change the Enterprise and Discoveries missions to focus on this. So I can see why it would be good for Pike to have some impartiality, some separation, but part of me in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe the writers did this so that there's less conflict between the two of them, or maybe Pike is just like, um, wants to have a little truce or move on with his relationship with Ash. Um, But in the end, I'm proud of Pike for admitting that it was his um, uh, his interests. It, he was separated from the war, so he wanted to be involved. And oh, yeah, I'm very proud of Pike for that. I am very proud of Pike
1: for that. And I, I'm very also, I, I, I want Pike to have, like you said, like an open mind about what's going on with the Red Angel. But I just don't want him to agree with Tyler. I don't want them to be on the same page because Tyler is now Section 31. And while he, we fell in love with him on the discovery and he broke our heart on the discovery, we can't really trust section 31 because as um, as Giorgio points out, when Leland tries to call her out for basically letting Michael escape and she throws a face, check the cameras. Honey, you, y'all both know you helped, her, you helped her escape. She lets a little bit of a um, informational bomb drop on us. Um, and I feel like it was tied back to a couple episodes where she like, um, when like Leland tried to call her out for something and she said, oh, but remember, we know what you, when you killed the wrong ambassador um, and that started like a whole, like a war thing or something like that. And it may be connected to what she just said because she drops the bomb that Leland is responsible for the death of Michael Burnham's parents. Um, and we don't know if that's directly or indirectly. It may not have anything to do with the wrong ambassador being killed, but whatever happened to Michael's parents, he's responsible for. So now the question is, is he responsible, responsible directly? Like, did he want them killed or was it an accident and he like feels guilty about it? Like, did he get innocent people killed or did he kill them intentionally? So that's one of the um, mysteries that this episode leaves us reeling with. And also that now Michael and Spock are traveling to Talos 4 because the numbers that Spock has been repeating on repeats all episode are actually, the numbers are backwards. And so Michael figures it out and they figure out it's in Talos 4 and that's where they're heading now. And then she does in her very super emotional, emotional voice, I'm working like I'm here for you, brother. I'm like, okay, dude, like chill, like calm down. So what- <laughs> <laughs> so what are like what do you think about what like the ending of this episode
0: plot thickens for sure i had i was thinking oh my goodness that was like a big mic drop moment when <laughs> there's a connection between leland and, and uh michael burham's parents oh my goodness gracious this is definitely a soap opera mm-hmm. <laughs> in the making. Mm-hmm. um I'm also wondering if like uh, it, it, there's there's conflict between Pike and Leland. There's a lot of other dynamics here. So uh, I'm looking forward to, I guess there's like six episodes left in the season. I want to know what happened that really separated Spock and Michael from communicating with each other over the years and um, whatever she did to that boy she she hurt him she
1: hurt him something
0: fierce yeah yeah and then the red angel travels is a time traveler goes back from the past goes to the future wonder if the red angel is connected to this probe um So I have a lot of unanswered questions. Um, I am now starting to become understand that that's just part of this USS Discovery and this (laughs) this, um, this series, but I feel like there's just constantly more and more questions. um, And I'm just hoping they don't just wrap them all up in one episode at the very end. I'm hoping there's a gradual, Information that they share. <laughs> oh my God! If they make us wait till the last episode of the season to get all the
1: answers, it's gonna be. I'm gonna be upset. I'm gonna be real upset. Um,
0: because I feel like there was a lot rushed in this episode. Yeah,
1: like this episode could have been two episodes. It definitely could have been. It could have been one episode fully about Spock and then one about the time anomaly. Um, I definitely think that's why I felt like that scene in the time anomaly was so chaotic and rushed. It just seemed so. I don't know. This Star Trek has a habit of making an impossible, like saying things are impossible and then figuring out within the same episode. And I feel like it's been, it's taking away from the belief. Granted, it is in the future. This is fiction and anything can happen in sci-fi. Anything can happen, but don't, just don't say it's impossible. It can't be done. And then you do it. Right. Because whenever you make higher stakes, I, I don't expect, like, I'm not expecting there to be real stakes anymore after a while, after you keep saying it's impossible. And then you do it. Anything you say is impossible. I'm not going to believe anymore. Right. So I I hope they get a handle on that. I hope they uh, say, Oh, this is impossible. We can't figure it out. And then maybe take an episode or two episodes to figure out the problem. Um, Don't, say we only have four hours to figure out how to do something that is virtually impossible and there's no way and if we don't figure it out in four hours they're going to die eventually you have to let people die right I don't right. know otherwise it's just is. I no longer believe that they're in danger anymore and then then I watch the show with more of a all right like how they're going to get out of it it's like the um Game of Thrones I want more of a Game of Thrones feel as in and by that I don't mean like the show but like uh, the writer had a reason had like a experience um I think it was an article where he said eventually if you don't let your main if you don't let like a, a character die no one's gonna believe anyone's possible of death anymore like if right. you walk into a if you have your main character walk into a room with 20 assassins and then he walks out a chapter later it's like really not one nick like you want them to I want to fear for my character's lives. Otherwise I'm yeah. like, All right, they're gonna I understand what you're
0: saying because in the first three episodes of season one, lots of characters died. There was Connor, there was O. there was the security chief. There was a whole... yeah. Like, and it looked like no one was safe. Now it's like, yeah, they'll bring them back in some other way if it's not really this. So <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like Hugh's death destroyed
1: me. Yeah. I was so... And granted, don't get me wrong, people. I'm very happy that he is back. But the fact that they actually allowed him to die was great. <laughs> yes. It pushed the story forward. Right. It made us grieve. It made us fear for the characters. But if they are always in a life or death situation and nothing bad ever happens to them, how am I supposed to believe? Like, why do I believe any danger they're going to be in, in the future? Right. And I don't know. Maybe so- I... Again, I'm i dead inside. Maybe I'm just a cynic.
0: I don't know. So speaking of of Hugh, I was thinking about Hugh when Paul volunteered to to beam on board during his whole time analogy. When he agreed to beam on board the the shuttle during a time, and I was thinking, really, <laughs> if, if I wonder what Hugh thinks about all these dangerous missions now. Right? Yeah. And if that's a different mindset now that he's, he was, he passed away, but then now he's alive again. If he views death and life more murdered. preciously, right? Murdered, Sorry. not
1: passed away. Murdered.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like passed
1: away is like, oh, I thought I, know, I died in my sleep. No, you were murdered, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, by the guy that's put on this away mission, right? <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was thinking tyler was gonna die this episode and i was actually looking forward to it mm, yeah <laughs> i thought he was gonna get left behind in by
0: because it seemed like hugh and lorca were in a in, um disagreement about how far to push paul mm-hmm. with with travel and everything and so now it seems like oh you know Paul can to make all these decisions but really if he's part of a family that's going through some trauma right now maybe you need to take a little less risk with your yes so that was a little weird for me um and I'm looking forward to circling back to Hugh I miss Hugh I miss Jet. So uh, there's a few characters. I'm like, what happened? Jet let's go back, so let's slow this down this and let's talk about some of these other, sprinkle these other characters in. <laughs> yes.
1: I think Jet would have been amazing in this episode. Yeah. Ah, there's so much. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're definitely right. I agree. I agree with that. That whole sentiment, except that Paul was murdered. He didn't pass away. Sorry, dude. Yes, like yes, he got yes. murked.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> we've come to the end of the episode. Um, so let us know. Uh, reach out to us. Let us know. Um, our Instagram, all our following information is all in the uh, episode description. So let us know what you think. Do you agree with us? Do you not agree with us? Um, but as always, live long and prosper.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: Hey, guys, it's Andrea. Thank you for listening to the most recent episode of our podcast, Trekking and Beyond. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up with the latest episodes. If you enjoyed listening to us, please go ahead and support us by clicking that support button in the episode's description. We greatly appreciate it. As always, live long and prosper.